the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Pastor Keith Crosby of Hillside Church. But I want us to understand the importance of attendance so that we can drum it into our, the minds of our children or our spouse or the people that we love or know. And so what I'd like to do today is review this passage, is view this passage in Hebrews from different angles, Hebrews 10, 23, and 25. Hold it up to the light and examine it so that we can understand it sufficiently to apply it to our hearts, our souls, our minds, our lives. I can see the promised land Though there's pain within the plan There is victory in the end Your love is my battle cry for all my life Every dragon will fall The mountains will move Every chain of the past You've broken into All the fear of the lies We're singing the truth That nothing is impossible With you Hello and welcome to today's edition of the Grace to Live radio broadcast with Keith Crosby, Senior Pastor of Hillside Church in San Jose, California. We are so blessed by each and every one of you for choosing to spend time with us today studying God's Word. And as always, we encourage you to follow along with us in your Bibles if you can. On today's broadcast, Pastor Keith delivers another message from his sermon series entitled, Rethinking Church. So if you have your Bibles, please turn with us today to the book of Hebrews, chapter 10. Now here's Pastor Keith with today's study. Father, we thank you for this day that we can gather together as a church in this building and worship you. As we rethink church and our devotion to the church, our devotion to Christ, Help us to examine our hearts today. Search us to see if there's any hurtful way within us and change us from the inside out through the preaching of your word and its application to our lives. Help me not to say more than I should or less than I need to. Help me to be clear, Father. Help the people to be willing to do whatever you call them to do. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, today, I'm preaching to the choir because most of the people that are going to need to hear this sermon aren't here today. Or maybe they're watching online and they should be here, I don't know. But one of the most frequently asked questions that I get asked sometimes, or that I hear people ask other people, or I hear people just wonder aloud is, where do I fit in in the church? How do I fit in? How do I get connected 
Why don't I feel connected? Why do I feel neglected? And how do I use my spiritual gifts? And these questions, when you distill them all down, are really asking, how how does church work? How does church work? These are great questions. Great questions to ask. Great questions to think. Great questions to investigate. But you've kind of got the cart ahead of the horse. There is a prerequisite that is necessary for all these questions to the key to understand, understanding at all how church works. And the short answer is, I'm going to say this in uh, New Testament Greek and then I'll say it in English. You got to be here. You have to be present. You have to attend. And so today's message is entitled, Attendance in You and You in Christ. Because your attendance represents how seriously you take Jesus. It's subtitled, you get out of it what you put into it. And our passage today is Hebrews 10, 23 through 25. And I'm going to read that text to you now. I want you to listen to it. It says, let us hold fast to the confession of our hope. Some translations say the profession of our faith. Without wavering. For, because he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works. Not neglecting to meet together is the habit of some, but encouraging one another in all the more as you see the day approaching. Now verse 23 speaks of a faithful God and which should be our reflex toward him, faithfulness to him, as we hold fast to our confession of faith, arguably to our witness. Verses 24 and 25 speaks to our need to be faithful to God and others through encouraging others in the context of community and the church family, as well as our need to do all of this with a sense of urgency and drive. This is about being there for others in the church community to do life together. And so this is about attendance. It's about consistency. It's about presence. It's about relationship. You know, it's funny how things strike you sometimes in life. I heard this quotation when I was in the fifth or sixth grade and you know, if and Mark isn't here, he's probably teaching Sunday school, but fifth or sixth graders, fifth or sixth grade boys are not normal, okay? There's something wrong with us. But this quote, and, and you're gonna be so disappointed when I read this quote, this quote hung me up and it stuck with me through my whole life, even before I knew fifth grade that I was going to be married to a musician and that we would raise two conservatory trained musicians. It just hung me up. And it is a quote by Sergei Rachmaninoff, a Russian composer, virtuoso pianist and conductor. And he is alleged to have said this. If I miss one day of practice, I notice it. If I miss two days, the critics notice it. 
And if I miss three days, the audiences notice it. Can, what you get out of it, what you put into it, right? Consistency, attendance. Let me give you the Christian version of that, what Sergei Rachmaninoff said. And this quote was made 331 years ago, but who's counting, right? By Thomas Watson. And he said this, we can never worship God acceptably unless we worship him regularly. And that's one reason we say you get out of it what you put into it. I heard another pastor say, and I remember just wincing when he said this. And he said a long time ago because nobody has checkbooks anymore hardly, right? A few of us old coots do, but hey, you know. And this guy said this, show me your checkbook and I will show you your spiritual condition through your life's priorities. And I'm like, whoa, you want to say that in public, right? Sounds, sounds like you're going to be asking for money or something, you know. But over time, I came to see his meaning and I understood that he was, in fact, dead right. How we spend our money indicates how we spend our time, indicates how much time we devote to God. Our true priorities, our spiritual conditions. And to that statement, I would add this which might make some of you wince, I don't know. Tell me about your church attendance and I'll tell you about your relationship with your children, your spouse, your spiritual condition, your prayer life, your Bible reading, and ultimately I'll tell you about your relationship with God himself. Why? Because attendance is fundamental to understanding where you fit in in God's world. Inside his church and why you feel connected or disconnected. You understand this, and it only makes sense when you think about it. You can't fit into a place that you don't go to on a regular basis. Because you'll never feel quite at home. And so you've got to be there. Because as you heard me say before, and I'm going to say this again and again. Your love for the church, your church attendance is proportionate to your love for Jesus. You, know, you may have hobbies, but if they get in the way of Jesus, what you've got is idols on the weekend on Sunday. Remember this passage, and, 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 and Chuck just read it just a moment ago, a little bit, and it's Acts 2.42 to 47, and it talks about the disciples here, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayers, and day by day... And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Who were these people? These were the people who heard the Pentecost sermon. These were the people who shouted, crucify him. And then who received salvation. And in response to that, they were faithful. They wanted to be together as God's people, worshiping him together. What were they devoted to? The teaching. The fellowship. Attending the temple day by day. That's attendance. And breaking bread together in their homes with glad hearts. They wanted to be together in worship wherever they were. And they were faithful to all of it, to encouraging one another, to stimulating one another, to 
provoking one another, stirring one, one another up to good deeds. And that's why Watson says we can never worship God acceptably unless we worship him regularly. And that's what you see in the Hebrews passage. And that's what you see here in Acts 2, 42 to 47. Because if, if it's not regular, if it's not constant, if it's not consistent, you really won't know or understand God or his ways. We, we, we become incomplete because we come one Sunday or maybe two a month and we get these glimpses. And you hear a sermon series, but you only get pieces of it. It's like reading a book and skipping every 20 pages. You know, you don't, you don't get the whole, you don't get the flow of thought. And what happens often is you become lukewarm. You can take it or leave it. And we know what God says about lukewarm Christians and lukewarm churches, right? Now, let me stop here and say this. I know that there are some watching on the live stream and you can't be here because you're in a nursing home or you're in assisted living uh, or hospice or something like that. And I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to people who could be here and who might drop in once a month for their monthly visit or their semi-annual visit or whatever it is. And so I know today, as you're all here, I'm preaching to the choir, as the metaphor goes, those who are faithful in attendance. But I want us to understand the importance of attendance so that we can inculcate it, so we can drum it into our, the minds of our children or our spouse or the people that we love or know. And so what I'd like to do today is review this passage, is view this passage in Hebrews from different angles, Hebrews 10, 23, and 25. Hold it up to the light and examine it so that we can understand it sufficiently to apply it to our hearts, our souls, our minds, our lives here and now, today, and every day forward. But first, a little background on Hebrews. Hebrews was written to show the supremacy of Christ in all things. It's almost, it's written to Jewish people. Colossians is written to Christian people. Hebrews is written to Jewish Christians. These two books are almost mirror images of each other, although they're written by different people. And it's to show the supremacy of Christ over the Jewish sacrificial system, over the, the Old Testament over the Old Covenant. His sacrifice at Calvary's cross, according to the book of Hebrews, made priests unnecessary and obsolete because there's no need for any more sacrifices. So all these churches that have priests, priests today and do sacrifices, or well, I'll leave it there. Jesus rendered that obsolete. Hebrews, though, also was written to Jewish Christians experiencing persecution from other Jews and from Romans. And they were being in, encouraged or tempted to turn their back on Christianity and go back to the synagogue and go back to Judaism. And this book is written to encourage them not to do so. But one of the messages in the book of Hebrews is hang in and hang on together. Stay together in the hard times is, is to worship God regularly together in any way that you can. But first and foremost, in the assembly, that's the church. And so I want to show you how this has to do with attendance today and doing life together and growing in Christ and weathering the storms of this fallen world together and how church attendance intersects 
with this in your life and mine. And so today we have Hebrews 10.23 through 25, and I'm going to read it for you again. Let us hold fast. This speaks to an obstinate devotion. Let us hold fast to the confession of our hope, to the confession of our faith, without wavering, without wobbling. For because he who promised is faithful, is trustworthy. And so... Let us consider how. Let us consider how. How to do what? To stir one another up. And this word has to do with, in the South, we would say riling somebody up. Provoking someone, stimulating someone to love and to good works. And then, not neglecting to meet together as the habit of some, but... Just the opposite, encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day, and in some translations capitalize that word day as the judgment day, drawing near or approaching. Not to oversimplify this passage, but this passage contains two activities that every Christian should engage in to pursue in their lives as they do and understand church. Therefore, I'd like to unpack our passage and organize it around these two activities. Activity or encouragement number one is pursuing faithfulness. He's encouraging us to pursue faithfulness, to pursue that activity. Number two, he's encouraging us to pursue the activity of refusing neglectfulness. So we are to pursue faithfulness while we refuse neglectfulness. So let's start with the first word of encouragement, this first activity here, pursuing faithfulness or working at faithfulness. We find this in verses 23 and 24. Let us hold fast. Let us hang on to, with great effort, the confession of our hope, our confession of faith, without wavering. Let us live our lives in a way that bears witness to what we believe. For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir one another up, to provoke one another, to rile one another up, to stimulate one another to love and to good works. The first activity or command even involves exerting ourselves to be faithful to our claim to to be Christians, to our confession of faith. I'm a Christian. Let us hold fast. Let us hang in. Let us hang on to without wavering, without going wobbly, without compromising. Because he who promised is faithful. We must not waver. We must be faithful to who we say and what we say we are. Because he's faithful. And how do we pursue that faithfulness? Well, look at verses 23 through 25. We work at it. Work at it how? For starters, holding fast is obviously something that requires some form. It depicts some form of struggle. Hanging on, holding fast to our confession. And then what? Let us consider. Let us contemplate, that word means under the original, the original language, speaks to contemplating, investigating, considering 
searching for ways to stir one another up. This word for stirring one another up uh, is a neutral word, but it shows up in good and bad context. If you rile somebody up to make them mad, that's one thing. But if you're stirring them up, if you're riling them up, if you're provoking them, if you're stimulating them to love and to good works, your calling here is to think about how to do that. It's not just to check boxes or wait to be told, but it talks about turning it over in your head, giving great thought, mental exertion to that. The Greek word is katechomen, from which we get the word catechize. It speaks to rehearsing something again and again, thinking it over again and again. Let us consider again and again, contemplate, figure out, investigate. This, these are the activities we're called to do. We have to do this so that we can do life together, do worship together, interconnectedly, stir one another up. It speaks to something that we do over and over again with consistency, together. You can't just drop in and then drop out. And that's why my buddy, Sergei Rachmaninoff, says, if I miss one day of practice, I notice it. If I miss two days, critics notice it. If I miss three days, the audience notices it. Others notice. When you're not living the Christian life, when you're not pursuing holiness, when you're not doing the one another's, when you're not trying to figure out how to stir one another up to love and good works because you ain't here, sooner or later it shows up in your life. And that's why my other buddy, Thomas Watson, says, in 1692, on page four of his book, Body of Divinity, we can never worship God acceptably unless we worship him regularly. You know, with consistency at church comes action and interaction. Together, as parts of the body of Christ, we metaphorically and literally rub elbows with the family. And stuff, good stuff, great stuff rubs off on us because we're together, doing life together. We cheer each other on. Let us stimulate. Let us cheer one another on to love and to good works. Hanging on to our profession of faith in the tough times. Somebody once asked John Calvin after the plague came through and killed his wife and this little daughter that he adored and left him as a single parent, do you still believe in the sovereignty of God? And he said, you know what? If I didn't, I couldn't have survived this. And he couldn't have survived it without his church either. And so the writer of Hebrews is telling us, let's thoughtfully, actively seek to find ways to encourage one another in community, to live out our faith, to weather the storms of this life, trusting Christ as we hang on to him and our confession and each other as we pursue faithfulness. Jesus calls us to effort and to labor, to deny ourselves daily, to take up our cross and follow him. We do it together. What does this involve? Work. I said it already, work. It involves works. Now there's a dirty word. Works, we're Christians. There's no works involved in our salvation. That's right. You are not saved by works at all. You're saved by God's grace. Faith is the means. So I'm not talking about works here that result in salvation. 
I'm talking about works that result from salvation, right? Faith without works is dead. In this passage, you find this encouragement, this call to encourage others, to stimulate one another. With it, you find this sense of urgency. It is an urgent activity pursuing faithfulness. Why? Hebrews 10.25b. Pastor Keith Crosby on today's edition of Grace to Live. We are so blessed that you've chosen to spend time with us today studying God's Word. And if you'd like more information on Pastor Keith or Hillside Church, here's how you can connect with us. Our mailing address is 545 Hillsdale Avenue in San Jose, California, 95136. The church office telephone line is area code 408 269 4782. And you can connect with us on our website, which is gracetoliveradio.org. There you can check out archived messages of past sermons and also listen to Pastor Keith's weekly blog. And please remember that the Grace to Live Radio program is a listener supported ministry outreach of Hillside Church if you'd like to partner with us financially. Again, all of these things are available to you on our website, gracetoliveradio.org. Also, I'd like to remind you that Pastor Keith and the staff here at Hillside always look forward to hearing from you. So if you'd like to drop us a note, you can email us here at keith at hillside.org. Well, we hope that you'll join us again next time for Grace to Live. But until then, I'm your host, Kevin Reeves. And on behalf of Pastor Keith and everyone here at Hillside Church, it is our prayer that the Lord will richly bless you. And thanks for listening. General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.